The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. Today on our show, we're spotlighting one of Portland's newest nonprofit organizations, Act Northwest. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am talking with perhaps the newest active nonprofit in Portland, uh, the executive director of Act Northwest, Ellie Marie Koch. Is uh, you just opened your doors, correct? Yep, we just opened our doors on April 5th, and we are a new youth substance use treatment and recovery center located in Southeast Portland at Southeast 79th and Foster Road. So we're kind of in outer Southeast Portland, and we serve kids ages 12 to 17 and their support systems. So we're so excited to be open and serving families in our community. Uh, when you open your doors, um, who's coming in? Um, or maybe a different way of asking that is, how do these 12 to 17 year olds know about you? And how do they show up there? Are they coming on their own volition? Are parents bringing them in? Are teachers bringing them in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So when I say open our doors, I mean that we open the doors of our treatment and recovery center. So we were able to start serving kids. And so our program offers, we're like the step down or the step before a kid would go to a residential treatment program or to an inpatient program. And so kids come and they spend their daytime hours with us. Um, and we are able to take referrals from lots of different sources. So we have a partnership with Harmony Academy. Harmony Academy is Oregon's first recovery high school. Um, They're actually just getting ready to graduate their second class of seniors um, this June. And so we might get referrals in from the public school system, from school counselors, from parents, um, from psychiatrists or primary care doctors. Um, we work with the juvenile justice system, and we also do a lot of um, outreach to culturally specific communities. One of the things that's really exciting about our program is that oftentimes for kids to get access to substance use treatment services, they either have to have insurance, and even with a good insurance like plan, their insurance may only cover a small percentage of that treatment. And so we are a nonprofit organization, and we're able to accept Medicaid and OHP clients, making treatment services accessible to all people, regardless of you know income barriers. Ellie, you said so much that 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 that's interesting to me right now. You have, um, I'm sure you have quite the perspective on Portland in terms of you know what's what's going on there. What are some of the the struggles that uh, some teens are having? Um, I wanted to start with the format for Act Northwest um, not being being non-residential, I imagine has a challenge because you can support them during the day, but 
you know, often they go home or they go back to a situation that maybe has um, put them to be, or has made them vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, I think before I answer that part of your question, I'm going to share just some statistics that might be helpful for people. So um, Oregon ranks 48, 48 out of the 50 states for access to substance use treatment. And so we are failing our community. Um, and we have so many kids that are dying every week from a disease that really is preventable. Um, you know, we have a saying that the opposite of addiction is connection, and that's really what we focus on um, in our program. And so we're at 48 out of the 50 states for access to treatment. Um, when kids go to a residential treatment program, which they may go to for 30, 60, 90 days, sometimes kids go for longer, they come out of these programs and oftentimes go right into their old high schools, back into their old groups of friends, and 70% of kids have a recurrence of use, which is sometimes referred to as a relapse within the first six months of leaving treatment. And so what we really look at is when kids are going and they're doing all this work in residential treatment, they then need to go back into their communities. And oftentimes kids that are struggling with substance use, there's gonna be like, you can't treat the kid without treating the family system. Um, and whether that family system is biological family or whether they're living with caregivers, our programming really offers robust services, not just for the kids, but also for their support systems. And so when kids come into our program, we have different levels that kids may start at. And so our highest level of care would be called partial hospitalization. And that's about 30 hours a week where kids are coming to our center. They're probably not gonna be attending school during the day. Um, and it's a more short-term program. And so this is when kids are really in that point of crisis and are really struggling and needing a lot of support around them. Paul, I just wanna pause real yeah. fast here. You know, so, so Ellie, you said that, you know, they're not in school during that time. What are they doing for 30 hours? Because I, I would think that part of the, challenge or part of the support that you give can give is is for those kids just to feel quote unquote normal yeah. yeah oh absolutely I mean ultimately what these kids want is not like trips to Disneyland and really like out their things they want to be able to go in our van and go down to the food cart pods on a Friday night and get to hang out with a group of friends and feel normal um they want to be able to go and take like a beach trip or go rock climbing and so what we are programming, if you come to our treatment center to visit us sometimes, everything that we've done is to create an environment where when kids come in, they wanna be here. We have filled our center with beautiful colors and plants. We've got a ping pong table and a pool table. We've got a big screen TV that we're able to do karaoke. They can do video games. Um, we have lots of groups that we partner with. So we have recovery um, CrossFit classes that people get to participate in. I teach our clinical yoga therapy group. We have equine assisted therapy where we take the kids out to work with horses. We have horticultural therapists who come in and do working with plants. We have cooking groups. And so when kids are coming into their, our program, they're getting to, we have like the secret sauce, the magic in our program are actually our certified recovery mentors. And these are young people in recovery 
who have way more street cred than I do, because I'm seen as like old and not cool anymore. And they come in and they talk to kids about what it was like for them when they were young in recovery. They help to set the tone of what are the fun activities that we are going to do. We, we say that kids vote with their feet. And so if kids don't want to be here, they're not going to be here. They're not going to show up. They're going to miss, you know, our groups. They're going to miss our programming. And so we try to create an environment that's really grounded in fun and enthusiastic recovery. And then we sprinkle in treatment services and therapy that may look like individual therapy, family therapy. Um, We have a medical director who's on staff with us, who's actually a physician who identifies as having lived experience with substance use recovery. And so she's able to connect with the kids, not just as a psychiatrist, but also as a peer in her recovery. And so we do everything from medication management and we do offer medication assisted treatment. And so for kids that maybe need a little extra medication support when they're coming you know, out of their use patterns, Um, that's an option for them. We have a fantastic team of therapists. And then, like I said, our secret sauce of our program are certified recovery mentors who really create this fun container. And it's really helping kids to recognize that you can have fun and you can be social and you can be sober. 12 to 12 to 17 year olds. What are they coming in with? What are the substances that are being abused? Well, everything. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I think that COVID has had profound impacts on all of our mental health and all of our wellness. Um, And kids are no exception. They've been cut off during a very like important time of brain development from being able to be in these social situations. And I think a lot of kids are honestly using anything that they can find. Um, You know, one of the substances that we're navigating that does have, you know, often very deadly consequences is fentanyl that's, you know, being laced into different substances. Um, Oregon for the last couple of years has like really been like struggling with an opioid epidemic. Um, You know, we also see like the alcohol use, you know, cannabis use, um, prescription, you know, misuse of prescription medications. Um, So it really, I mean, we see it all, sadly. Um, And our program is um, unique from some other treatment centers in the sense that we offer multiple paths to recovery. And so a lot of treatment centers may use like a 12-step model, which is like great. Like for some people, 12 steps like works. But We also have kids that maybe recovery Dharma, maybe finding like a Buddhist inspired path to recovery or, you know, one that keeps out the concept of higher power is going to work for them. Um, Some kids may find recovery through movement. And so maybe that's, you know, a running group or doing the CrossFit classes or through an art therapy group or a music therapy group. And so we like to offer kids lots of different types of programming. We like to expose them to lots of different types of activities and then see what resonates with them. For as many kids that have substance abuse or uh, uh, wellness issues, there are reasons for that, right? And so how how is that match made between the individual and their uh, their, their, their means towards recovery? How is how, how does that happen? 
Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So when kids come into our program, they're going to go through like an intake process with our like master's level clinicians. And then they're going to get to connect with one of our recovery mentors who's going to spend some time getting to know more about them and more about their interests. We do have kind of like a monthly program schedule and kids get the opportunity to participate in, you know, lots of different types of activities. And then on Saturdays is like our fun day where we have a really cool van that is a 16 passenger van and it's branded really cool to our organization and has lots of bright colors and it doesn't identify that we're a treatment center. And on Saturdays, the recovery mentors get to connect with the kids to build out what is the next month of Saturday is going to look like. So last weekend, the kids wanted to go and they got to do equine assisted therapy. They decided to go to a young person's 12 step AA meeting, and then they got to go over and hang out with horses and spend some time at the stables and then come back and do a movie night. Um, you know, some weekends that looks like getting to go to the beach. And so we really, when kids come into our program, we're really customizing what their treatment program is going to look like to match what they're looking for. And we're able to offer more robust services or more just like the social supports and a safe space for kids to be able to come after school in the evenings and on weekends. Ellie Marie Koch is the executive director for ACT Northwest, a newly opened uh, youth serving program. You brought in some music. What did you bring in for us? I did. So one of my absolute favorite artists out there is named Michael Franti, and he has a great group called Spearhead as well. And so I identify as a person in recovery, and I started navigating pretty intense suicidal ideations as a teenager. And it's really what inspired me to, you know, come into this field was my own recovery journey. And so I picked a song that's called I'm Alive by Michael Franti, and it is what I call my booty shaking music. So when I feel like I need to pick me up in the middle of a day, if I'm feeling really down or depressed, I turn on this song and I start shaking my booty and dance around my house. So I hope right. you enjoy. <laughs> let's, let's hope this gets some of our listeners shaking their booties. <laughs>
Michael Fronte and, and Spearhead. Uh, this is Phil Bussey. It's the nonprofit happy hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking with Allie Marie Koch, who is executive director for ACT Northwest. Um, you know, before we took our music break, uh, you were talking a little bit about uh, some of your personal background uh, that brought you to this organization. Um, it also, it seems like a number of your staff has experienced their own tangles with substance abuse or, or mental health um is it, it uh is that part of i mean why does that matter why does that matter well the lived experience perspective i think is so valuable um when working in the recovery field um we have a saying kind of in the peer supporter recovery community that we get like our phds in life because we have to go out and we have to face our struggles and we have to find our own path to recovery. And there is so much benefit, especially when you're connecting with kids, when you're able to say, I know what it feels like when I'm depressed. I know what it feels like to be hopeless. Like I've been there. Um, I, I didn't start my recovery journey until I was in my mid twenties. Um, I started struggling with mental health issues when I was a teenager. Um, but I came from a family where both of my parents are physicians and there was a lot of stigma um, that I think prevented me from getting access to some of the support services that would have been beneficial. And honestly, for my parents, it was just a lack of education. Um, even going through years of medical training, they were never trained on how to support somebody that's coming in with mental health or substance use struggles. And so our team on our, our team of staff is eight members and 50% of us identify as being in recovery. And I don't think that you'll find anyone who works in the recovery field or in the behavioral health field who either hasn't had their own lived experience with mental health or substance use struggles or knows someone close to them who's had those struggles because the fact is, is that this work is really like heart-driven work and there's often like some type of lived experience connection. And so um, I'm grateful that, you know, when I found my recovery path in my mid twenties, I've spent my whole career working for nonprofits and in the mission-driven um, field, you know, I had a lot of fear that I, it was gonna impact the rest of my life, that my struggles were going to cripple me professionally. Um, and then as I got, you know, deeper in my recovery, I got afraid of what would it look like if I ever, you know, went back to, you know, working more in an executive capacity, would I have to go back into hiding? And would I have to share these parts of my story that have honestly shaped me into the person that I am today and the leader that I am today? And so 
I feel very grateful that as an executive director, I'm able to be loud and proud in recovery, that I don't have to um, come into my work life and put down pieces of myself or hide them. And that's really the culture that at Act Northwest we cultivate and the way that our team connects with one another and the way that we show up for one another as a staff is what the kids are gonna see as the model for what connection can look like and what healthy relationships can look like. And so we, you know, we have a team that I think everyone on our team would say that at some point in their life, they've struggled with mental, mental health or substance use issues, whether or not they identify as in recovery. Um, and I, I'm gonna hone in on, this is your first executive director position. Um, you have a coach, uh, do to, to bring you in what what does he teach you like is, is are there executive director exercises that you do <laughs> I mean do you look in the mirror and tell yourself like I am an executive director what, <laughs> we how, do how power it... posing no I'm <laughs> I'm well it's actually it's been really interesting so I spent um, five years actually working as um, a governance consultant and an executive coach for nonprofit boards and nonprofit executive directors. Um, and so I, I got to work with executive directors all around the country when I was working as a coach. And then I got this job and very quickly recognized that I was gonna need my own coach. And I would say I work with a fantastic coach. Her name is Kathy Knapp. Um, she is a combination of my therapist, <laughs> my safe sounding board, um, and she's also there to help, you know, it's one thing to be a first-time executive director. It's another thing to be a first-time executive director of a startup nonprofit that's doing an entirely new model of treatment that's never been done anywhere in the country before and trying to get that startup going during COVID. So um, there have been many layers. I've been in my role now for a little over six months and there have been many layers to my education. Um, she's able to be a resource for me if there's ever, you know, things that come up, you know, with staff, I've had to do a lot of just building our internal systems and processes, program development. And so she is my go-to for really anything that I need advice from somebody who has been there before in a role like this. And I just, I feel very grateful. And she, in addition to Kathy, I also have fantastic mentorship from board members um, who have a little more gray in their hair and a couple more years of experience on me. Um, and so I feel like as a new young ED, um, I've just been enveloped in love and support and I think that that really shows through and how successful we've been in getting our program, you know, launched and opened in such a short amount of time. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's, let's wrap up our conversation. Just talking a little bit about that, that team. Um, how, what was the criteria or what were the thoughts when putting together the board? Were you part of that process? So I was not a part of um, creating the board. Um, I was recruited for this position by the board of directors, by our founding board. Um, this board was brought together all because they had a heart for the mission. Um, our board chair, her name is Allison Mann. Um, she and her family navigated like a son who had a very like what they call like a fast and furious substance use struggle as a teen. And um, they came from a middle-class, you know, white family 
living in Westland. And even with all the resources that they had at their disposal, there were no programs at Oregon that could serve their son. And they had to sell their home, sell their cars and liquidate their kids' college funds just to afford to get him the treatment services that he needed. And they feel very grateful that they had assets that they could liquidate to you know, get their son those resources. But their son had to be sent across the country to go into you know, a wilderness therapy program. And then he spent a couple years living in Texas, attending a recovery high school in Texas that was partnered with a program that has components of our model so that he could have the support that he needed. And so they really looked at, you know, we don't want families to have the same experience that we did. We want to look at how can we build something here in our state so that families have access to it and so that they can afford it as well. Um, and so from that came an incredible um, you know, group of people who came together from both the clinical behavioral health background, um, from the recovery field, and then also just from the voice of lived experience. And so since I've joined the board, we've grown our board by three members and that's been really exciting. Um, our staff team, I have gotten to be a part of hiring everybody that is now a member of our staff. And like I said before, there's eight of us on our staff team right now. Ellie Marie Cope is the executive director for ACT Northwest. Thank you for taking the time today and congratulations on getting the doors open. Thank you. And Phil, can I add one thing that does make our program unique? Absolutely. Um, because this is an issue that we that hasn't come up in the conversation and it is something that I think that we need to talk about. Um, we have a very strong commitment to anti-racism and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And Oregon Health Authority recently came out with a statistic that only 13% of behavioral health providers in the state of Oregon are people of color. And that was something that we really looked at with intention when building our staff team. And I'm really proud to say that we have three clinicians, three therapists who all identify as people of color. And in our team of eight staff members, 50% of our team identify as members of the BIPOC community, 40% identify as members of the LGBTQIA plus community, 40% identify as bilingual in three different languages, Spanish, Ukrainian, and Bengali, and 50% of our team identify as in recovery. And so I just think that right now, like especially in the behavioral health field, we need to look at how are we serving culturally specific communities and how can we make sure that the, the treatment teams and the provider teams that we're putting together are reflective of the families and the kids that we're gonna be serving. Allie, thank you so much. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. 
thanks for tuning in. 